Thanks for listening to Rejected, a funny and cathartic celebration of the struggles of working and non-working actors everywhere. Rejected! The feeling is mutual. Don't know what the future holds. You know where my future goes. They involve to a buzz. Liquor and drugs and women that's down the road. Uh, yeah, Xanax and Adderall. Uh, yeah, I swear you want me to fuck. The vibe is just gone. I okay, so I have a couple things I need to say. This is episode three of the rejected podcast i'm eleonora dundee and uh the last episode had some sound issues so i want to apologize for that and then hopefully by the time that gets released i will have edited it and it will be better but if you listen to it and you're back thank you (laughs) okay so i'm here today with Luke Legacy. This is a departure from the past two episodes and kind of the general, I guess uh, mostly I'm interviewing actors, but um, Luke Legacy is not one. Do you want to introduce yourself and talk about yourself? Sure, yes. Uh, I go by the name of Luke Legacy. I am a rapper, I'm a host, and uh, I am not an actor, but I feel like as a rapper and host you take on a different persona mm-hmm. um so that is acting in a way i guess and you're a performer I mean. sure not originally from atlanta but have been in atlanta long enough to call atlanta my home so um yeah i make music and uh, i do other cool shit around the city yes and you're also affiliated with soul food cypher yes i am a um a part of the first member class of Soul Food Cipher, which is a freestyle rap organization um, with the mission of changing the negative perception of hip-hop and rap in the community by doing community outreach, um, also hosting a monthly event, which is our Freestyle Cipher, every fourth Sunday of every single month for the past um, seven years now. Damn. Yes, and so that's where... A lot of my hosting and performing experiences have come from Soul Food Cypher. Nice. So um, basically, we're talking about failure. Yep. Embarrassing moments. Um, and I, I, I want this podcast to be a celebration of... Failure. Yeah. <laughs> because we do it all the time. Yeah. That's most of what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of want to jump right in. Maybe talk about. We can start with a story, or if you want to just talk about your experiences and your philosophy and how you deal with failure. So I'll start with, I guess, the first time I started performing live was at like spoken word type things, like college stuff, Georgia State, uh, random spoken word things that I like plug into in high school. And then we had like spoken word things at my house and my friend's house. I didn't do much failing there, but it was very awkward. And spoken word got me into like rapping, but I was scared to rap. So that's why I did spoken word. Okay. So there's not much failure there. It's just kind of how it started. But um, as I, uh, I moved to the city, Atlanta, the city, like downtown Atlanta, 2012, ran into my friend, Alex uh, Acosta. Shout out Alex Acosta. He started Soul Food Cypher, and, you know, it was kind of a natural thing for us to link up because we went to high school and middle school together. So mm-hmm. it was good to see a familiar face. And, you know, oddly enough, at 25, I thought I was too old 
to continue to pursue a career in rap, which is very ignorant um, because I wasn't. Um, and I, I don't think anyone's too old to pursue anything, actually, now. No, but I, I think a lot of actors feel that way, too. It's like, oh, I'm 30. I can't. When am I going to stop playing around? Right? Yeah. But it's not. It's no, a, I mean, it's a constant journey. Yeah. It's, it's something inside of us that I, I don't think is ever going to stop. And I think you regret if you don't actually try. But um, with Soul Food Cypher, it got me back into rapping. It got me back into freestyling. And um, we quickly gained traction and, you know, kind of exposed ourselves to an underground or plugged into the underground world of rap music in Atlanta. Through that came a lot of performances. When I say a lot of performances, being a part of the first member class and it being almost seven years old, Soul Food Cypher was, um, we, we did a lot of performances. And I naturally fell into a role of hosting slash performing, meaning sometimes I would rap and sometimes I would present the performance. So it was just an onslaught of performance after performance after performance for at least a good five and a half years for me, where I hosted most performances and performed at most every event that we did. So there's a lot of room for error. <laughs> there's a lot of room for like growth and trying to figure things out. And um, I can think back to, if you want me to, I can tell you a story. Go for it. I got a few stories. One of our earliest performances, which was really dope, because I don't think a lot of people get to say that they performed at the High Museum. But we got to perform at the High Museum. And it was for, uh, I believe the event was called Culture, Culture Shock. And they had a lot of different things coming in. Like they had a violinist. I think they had an opera singer. And they had some other performers. And so, you know, it was, it was a culture shock. It was like, let's clash this, this, this. And then boom, you have these freestyle rap guys. We were not supposed to perform in the main room or the main... You've been to the art museum before. Yeah. That area where it's a circle and you look up and it's like all the levels of the high museum. So we're there. Like... What is that? Like a mezzanine? Lobby? Yeah. You know, that... Yeah. That, what you yeah. said is that's probably what it is. My <laughs> vocabulary is not there. I don't um, know. It's probably wrong. No, it, I, it sounds right. <laughs> so we're performing in, uh, we, we thought we were performing in a, a room that was off to the side mm -hmm. um, with less of a crowd. We're usually, at this time, we're used to drawing a crowd, um, mainly people that are walking by and like, hey, it's like, as a host, I'm like, hey, what's up, y'all? Come over here, listen to us rap. And something happened with another performer and we were put into the main room. But before that, I got the... Uh, cue cards and the things that I was supposed to read off, memorize, like that week. Or maybe Alex gave it to I give Alex credit. Maybe Alex gave it to me a week before. But you know, with life and everything that goes on, I mean, I have to remember how to introduce all of our members that are performing. And we had a 45-minute performance, and there's a lot of members that were performing. And honestly, you know, I could not remember. And so I'm there. We're dressed, we're ready to go, and Alex is like, let's, let's go over some things. Let's, let's, you know, Luke, go ahead. And I'm like, well, let's present da 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 And I pull out of my pocket, like, the cue cards or the note cards. And he's like, oh, you don't have them memorized? And I was like, uh, you know, 
he was like, you don't have it memorized yet? I'm like, ah, mm-mm. And so he stressed. Everybody was a little tense. It's a huge performance for us. And then they come in and tell us, we're not performing in the small space that we're practicing in. We're performing where the main crowd is, which was a few hundred people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, wow. You really fucked this one up. And then I said to myself, I, I said to myself, you know what? Nothing else matters. This is going to go down how it's going to go down. And I think Alex told me, just try to remember what you can remember. So I get on stage and the first thing out of my mouth was, which I mean, I don't know. I don't think I was ever embarrassed by this, but I didn't know I was going to work. I told everybody I was going to play Simon Says. Yeah, <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of people there. And I told everybody I was gonna play, we were going to play Simon Says. And they were like, you know, glasses of wine in their hand. Very eclectic group. They were like, yeah. But my, my problem was is I, they didn't, they wasn't paying attention to us. So I wanted to, to draw them in. So I told them to do a bunch of stuff, like put their glasses in. All these people are doing it. Like all these adults are playing Simon Says. And then the last thing I told them was, I need you to make, all make your way to the front of the stage. And then the crowd, boom, like locked in. And I said, you know what? I am not going to act like I remember everything. And I'm, t- I'm saying this out loud. So this is embarrassing to me a little bit. And then also you got to think like every <laughs> Alex and like the other people on the side of the stage are like, what is he doing? So it's out of control. There's no control over me right now. And I'm like, I'm not even going to act like I remember everything that was on these note cards. So I'm just going to pull them out so I can make sure I present every artist. But I'm telling the audience this. <laughs> and the entire performance, I pulled out every single note card for every single artist that performed. And uh, at the end, everybody was fine. Uh, I think that point, I think it kind of solidified me as the host for many, many events to come because Alex was like I don't know how you pulled that off and it just seemed like it was supposed to happen but it happened but I was very scared and I was also slightly embarrassed my brother's there my sister-in-law is there I have family members in the crowd I'm like man we thought we were going to perform in front of like 50 people and it was like 300 right it's that thing too of like we have that fear that you go on stage and then there's just no you you know you didn't learn the words or you didn't, you know, or something like that. And right. you just feel naked, exposed. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally get that. That's awesome though. The Simon Says thing. That's a great idea. Oh man. I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea what I was like. You know what? I work with kids. It works with kids. Uh-huh. Why can't I work with a bunch of semi inebriated adults? And it did. But the, also, the, and this is the thing I think we learned too. Soulful Cypher is a freestyle rap organization. Essentially improv. So you think about an actor that's improv. If you don't own any mistake or you can't jump back from it, mm. your entertainment, what what you're giving as entertainment, gets whacked really quick. You know what I mean? It's true. And you know, we were talking in episode two about um, the elephant in the room mm-hmm. and how we never want to acknowledge the elephant in the room and uh, how, in fact things could be a lot better and it could liberate you if you do. Yep. I guess in certain circumstances. You're looking at me like you're like, well... Well, I have a story for that one, too. Oh, okay. Um, the elephant in the room was this. Apache Cafe. Is wow. that here? Yeah, yeah, it's in Atlanta. It's like a... It's like a staple uh, perform. Yeah, I'll take a little bit more. Uh, it's like a, I guess, a performance staple for, you know, uh, 
jazz musicians, rappers, spoken word. Uh, Patrick Cafe is really dope. And one of my friends, he goes by the name of Zero, really amazing lyricist, probably one of the best freestyle guys I've ever been around in my life or probably ever heard in my life too. He calls me and um, so at the Cypher there was a written segments and I used to write because by nature I like to write. I'm not the best freestyle artist, but by nature I'm like, yo, I can write rhymes. And so what would happen is we had a, we had a written segment and I would always kill the written segment. So Zero calls me, he's like, listen, I got an event, come do this event. I'm giving you 25 or 30 minutes on stage, nothing but acapellas. So I'm like, I'm acapella, I'm rhyming with no beat for a long time. I don't know how entertaining that's going to be to a group of people that never heard me rap before, but we'll figure it out. So I get there. Funny thing is that the DJ, the sound guy is like, all right, where's your music? I'm like, all right, just, just, just need the mic, man. He's like... You don't have any music. I was like, nah, it's just, you know, acapella, man. It's just, he's like, okay. <laughs> so my brother comes there for this performance. It was this girl uh, that I was dating at the time. She was there as well. So I'm, I'm a bit nervous. And I get on stage. And, you know, I have rehearsed these lines over and over and over again. I get on stage and I'm rapping and I'm rapping. And I'm probably like five to seven minutes into my performance. And the bottom of my stomach. I feel gas. <laughs> no. You know, honestly, at that point, I wish it would ca- was going to come out the normal end, but it was coming out as a burp. <laughs> honestly, I would have rather farted on stage than um, a burp coming up. Well, because uh, you're holding a mic. I'm holding a microphone. <laughs> and there's, it was not a small crowd. There's tons of people there. There were dinner dates there. It was like, pat- it was a packed house. You want to be all like sexy for your girl, and right? And my brother's there, and he's also recording the maybe the recording's out there somewhere. He's like videotaping the performance, and I feel it coming, and I'm like, "You can't stop rapping. <laughs> maybe this will go away." I'm like, "This is just gonna go away. It's not gonna, you know, nothing's. This is, I'm good." And sure enough, I burp right into the mic, like, and it wasn't just like a, it was like a. Like, <laughs> oh like it was a Gross. a beer burp. You know what I mean? You drink beer too fast and then Like yeah. from deep within. Deep, deep down <laughs> burp. And uh when we were just talking about just kind of owning failure, mm-hmm. I guess, or you know, embarrassment. At that moment I just paused. I said, Yes, I did just burp into the microphone. <laughs> but I am going to continue rapping. And I just I finished the rest of the rest, which I don't even know how I remembered the rest of what I needed to say, but it was very, it, it was embarrassing, but at the end, like after I said that, I mean, the entire crowd was just started, I mean, they was cool. They started like applauding and like laughing. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's nothing else I can do about that. And then I had to go on for the rest of the time, hoping another burp didn't come up. It didn't. Uh. Um... Rejection. rejection. Talk about rejection. Um, How you deal with it? I feel like I've learned this. I used to be, oh, I used to be scared of rejection because I didn't know how people. I thought rejection meant negativity, mm-hmm. and I don't think rejection means negativity. It's all about how you respond to the rejection. 
Because rejection can make people feel like, shit, you know what I mean? I'm not good enough. I failed. Mm-hmm. But if you are rejected and you take it with confidence, you can almost make the person that rejected you or whoever rejected you feel dumb for rejecting you. <laughs> Especially if it was not in a tactful way. Which I know in, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, entertainment, it can be done that way. Everybody doesn't say yes to everything. I think, you know, with, with Soul Food Cypher, I wasn't on the end of receiving the notes. But I know Alex Acosta, my homie, um, who spearheaded this for years, uh, has probably come up, uh, up on a lot of rejection. And we've also got a lot of wins out of it, too. You know, but I think you can't allow rejection to, to dim or, you know, uh, throw shade on, like, your confidence level, especially if you know, like, I know I should be here in this position. Mm-hmm. You just got to make other people see it. Can I tell you a small story about rejection? Yes, please. This is totally off the wall. I go into um, a bar, restaurant, club in Midtown, right? Recently. And I walk in and I see Charles Barkley. I mean, he's on TNT. I see him all the time commentating. And I walked in. I said to my friends, I'm going to hang out with Charles Barkley tonight. <laughs> they were like, you're not going to hang out. I'm like, come on, man. Get real. He has security around him. Just relax. So I was like, no, I'm going to figure out how to get over there in Charles Barkley, like his section. So I walk over there and I try to my jacket on like the a chair that's in his section and like immediately security was like what are you doing get your jacket off of you and put your you know they were very like you know who the fuck are you like get the fuck out of here so i was like mm, okay i put my jacket on another chair and like this biggie small songs come like this biggie small song comes on and most of the people in the club were probably a little younger than myself not that i'm not that old. So I'm singing the lyrics to the top of my lungs. I'm drinking, having a great time. And I look over at Charles Barkley and he's doing the same thing. We made eye contact. He walks out and he comes and he's like, what are you having to drink? And I'm like, I'm drinking tequila. And he was like, come over here with me. So then I walked, the same guys that were just giving me shit and like telling me to get out of the section, <laughs> they have to watch me and Charles walk into it. And now they're all like, Oh, yeah, everything's cool. Like, everything is all good. I get it. Celebrity shit. But it was that was probably the last time where I felt a little rejection. Like, ah, damn, I gotta hurt my feelings. I was just trying to put my jacket here. Trying to get close to Charles and then... Whoa. <laughs> which, I mean, it was just... Oh, it was probably, like, slight drunkenness there. And me thinking I should be hanging out with Charles. But we hung out for, <laughs> the, we, we hung out for the entire night. Nice. That was a great time. Me and Charles. I was calling him Chuck the whole time. <laughs> I was like, Chuck, I'm over here to take another shot. <laughs> I was talking today to my, my girlfriend, Morgan. She, damn it, I said I was going to quote this correctly, but she quoted her acting teacher, who I don't remember the name of, but um, he says, or she said that he said that um, it's not rejection, it's selection. Mm. And that, I really liked that. Mm. I thought that was a really cool phrase. And, it puts a t- positive spin on the word. I remember we had a magazine shoot uh, for Art Papers Magazine with my cycle club. And it was a great article. Um, I 
the, the name of the photographer slips my mind. I think his last name is Wolf. Amazing, great photographer. We do this whole entire shoot. So, me and the founders, the other founders of the Cycle Club, we were kind of telling them, like, the crew's here, our club is here, but picture-wise, like, this is like a three-page spread. Boom. These are the people that you want. <laughs> and, like, we need to be, because we're the founders. And I think he came out, the you know, magazine came out, and none of us were in, like, the main pictures. <laughs> they were all, like, I mean, obviously it was supporters and people that obviously like us and ride with us. But the whole article was about the cycle club and basically none of the founders were like really portrayed in the way that we wanted it to be. So that there was a level of rejection there. But what you just said, it's also about selection. It's like, in that moment, was my ego in the way? Mm -hmm. Fulfilling some type of way of like not being in the photo? Or did the bigger purpose of the the message behind what we're trying to do, what we were doing in cycling, mm -hmm. like happened, you know? Yeah, I think ego is a huge, I mean, obviously, but ego is just the ruiner of all things. I think, um, I don't know, even in personal situations, breakups, there's so many of those that I've gone through that when you take ego out of it, there's like no, no harm, no foul. You know what I mean? But we're yeah. so... Um, we like build up this protective barrier in ourselves and instead of just being able like to accept and let things go and yeah. move on and grow. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about you this week and this is like totally has nothing to do with acting or whatever, but it does have to do with cycling. And this is why I thought of you is I, and well, maybe it's a little appropriate because so when you're in, when you're a performer, when you're an artist, you often have to take a lot of work that you don't really care for or that is you, like supplemental stuff. Also, I just got hired to be a trivia DJ. <laughs> so you have to oh, go. that's cool. No, that, no, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, it went really that's well. Very cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to go to one of my shows. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it'll be at different locations. Okay. But anyway, so I was working. I had to work at the Intercontinental Hotel in Buckhead. Very um, nice hotel. It's super nice. Yeah. I had to work there from seven a.m. to eleven every day this week. What? So I had to get up at five. And. Um, there was a convention going on, so I had to be at the buses that were picking up the hotel guests to take them to this convention. It was also happened to be like the coldest days of the year in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. So I wore my parka from when I lived in Minnesota. It's cold. Yeah. But anyway, so every single day this biker guy came by and was so pissed because I mean he was right, but the, the buses were blocking the bike lane. Yeah. But he was so angry. He took he he took pictures of the buses and somewhere in there he assumed that since I was standing there with like holding material yeah. that I was in charge of the buses. Uh. So every single day that I worked, he drove by and like verbally assaulted me, flicked me off, like all of this really awful stuff. And I was getting so, I would come home and I was so 
broken up about it. It's that I tend to take that energy throughout, like, and I just carry it throughout. Well, the I mean, day. you're also a cyclist too. Yeah, I mean, like, I get it. I, yeah. But and it's so. <laughs> But anyway, I just kept, for days I was thinking about this man and I was thinking about how if he had just stopped to be like, hey, this girl's standing out there, she's really bundled up, so she might have been standing out here for hours, she's holding magazines, maybe she's not in charge, maybe I'm taking this out on the wrong person, and all I'm doing is spreading my negativity. And like all he's doing is spreading that to me. He's probably taking it with him to work. Yeah. I'm taking it with me, yeah. you know, and, and it's not working. Yeah. And, and who else am I spreading it to? Yeah. Um, and I thought about that a lot in this podcast because I think, um, unsuccessful artists tend to be the types that carry that negativity and spread that negativity. Right. And that's not to say, I mean, I know a lot of very successful actors and artists that are constantly spreading negativity, but like, you can't be, if if you want to live in a world where, um, failure and, uh, rejection and your shortcomings are like, are constructive, then you can't be a person that, that perpetuates that. No. Negative spirit. No, not at all. Like that fucker on that bike. Well, you know, my favorite game in life, sport, I didn't know this until I started playing, is golf. And the reason why is exactly what you were talking about as far as spreading negativity, which translates into everything. Rejection, exception, nailing it, failing. Um... Golf is a sport a lot of people don't understand because they refuse to understand it because it seems boring as hell. It does. It's not. It seems so boring. It's not. So, you know, you have to get this ball into this hole in either three tries or four tries or five tries just to be even. If you get it in less than that, you're doing really, really good. The only way you can do really, really good is if you practice a lot And through practice, it helps you become comfortable with all of your golf clubs, and it helps you become consistent. Now, when you're playing golf, you're playing against yourself. Whether you're playing with your buddy or not, you're playing against yourself because this is the reason you shoot one shot. It sucks. You have three other shots or two other shots or four other shots to make it right. But if you have a bad attitude and you carry negative energy into the next shot, Guess what shot is going to be fucked up? That next shot. And if you mess that up and don't think that you have two more shots or however many more shots to make it up, it's going to be messed up. You have to... Golf taught me to leave my negative energy behind because if I want to enjoy... Now, golf is like a mini vacation. If I want to enjoy this game, I'm going to learn to leave that negativity at the tee box, on the fairway, on the green because you can go 18 holes Pissed off. And I've seen people throw golf clubs inside of lakes <laughs> on the pissed off, completely angry. You have an entire bad game. Mm-hmm. It taught me to leave the negativity behind. Now, performing, rejection. You can feel rejection, which we've gone through this a lot with no audience. Or the audience being more slim, like not as many people is there that you thought it would be. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> that was a bird. But I'm going to keep talking. I just did too, like at the same time. 
Same we're day. so in sync. Same time. <laughs> it's, that, it's that damn wine. Um, so you can get on stage and expect to see a certain number of people and feel rejection. But you shouldn't because it doesn't mean you've been rejected. But those who are there have accepted mm. or selected. So I think it's a lot of it's viewpoint. Or it's you, a, it's, a, it's a journey. Yeah, you, you walk on stage, you make a mistake on stage. You can either let that mistake dictate the rest of your performance. Yes. Like you were just saying with the golf. Uh-huh. Or you can just learn to acknowledge it and move on or even use it. Mm-hmm. It, it's a mindset, you know, whether you're failing on stage, you know, and you, you know, you failed on stage. Uh, my last performance, I forgot an entire verse. I, <laughs> he told me no, that. No, it was an entire, it was so, you know, if it wasn't for my experience, I would have, I, I probably would have like paused and been like, uh, but I just told the DJ, they're like, oh, pull up, pull up. I don't know what the fuck I said. I said something to him and acted like it wasn't a big deal, but it works out. But, you know. You know, it's it it's it's how it's how you receive it. It's how you receive it. Mm-hmm. I think it. You know, when we're talking about artists and performing, and you're in a very vulnerable state. Which brings me to this, if I may. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to embarrassing moments on stage, telling someone they're out of time. So as a host, kind of like finessing and like pulling the mic away from somebody that's like you're over your time limit. One. Friends as well. So I've done this with performing artists that are friends of mine. You're over your time limit. Stage manager is saying, hey, you know, and they're looking at me like, you're the host, get them off stage. Or there's been moments where it's like no profanity. It's like kids here. Mm-hmm. And you explicitly say no profanity, but you have, you're also inviting audience members to perform in freestyle rap or whatever it may be. And then you're like, oh man, you just said all of the profane words in one sentence and uh, I have to cut you off. That's like my biggest fear with this trivia thing is it's Mm. a lot of riffing. I'm very sensitive about that. Like I'm afraid, I'm a profane person. I've been trying to simmer it down for this podcast, but... And I still am saying fuck all the time on it. You shouldn't simmer anything down. Well, you know, I mean, I just don't, I'm just, yeah. I don't even have an audience. So I'm like feeling it out. Like you're one of my guinea pigs. Once again, we're talking about acceptance, failure, rejection. Um, I came out with a podcast a year ago. It was called Life and Other Shit. Do you know I mold? Oh, first of all, I was going to do this podcast with a friend. I love my friends. That pause was a burp again. <laughs> um, just a theme in my life. I shouldn't drink and do anything <laughs> on microphone or camera, right? So um, I, I came up with, I said, yo, we should do a podcast. Shout out to my friend. I love him very much. He listens to this. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I said, you know, we should call it life and other shit. He's like, yeah, you know, shit is kind of harsh, man. <laughs> it's kind of like harsh and I was like you know what it is harsh and you know what my mom is not gonna like it and you know what if anyone in my professional world my worlds that collide and me professionally don't like it 
Well, forget about it. I said, forget about it. I know. So, I was like, you thought we, I thought you were going to be like, fuck it. Well, I mean, it's my mom, too. I love my mom. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say fuck my mom. You know. But, you know, they may not agree. So, forget about it. This is not what you identify with. If you don't identify with it, cool. But it's but, all... But a lot of other people did. Yeah. It's all fear-based, you know? I mean, I had this moment driving to meet with you, a.k.a. to pick you up. Um, <laughs> just walking around the city. I, I was like, what if people hate this? No. What if I have? But you know what? I think even if like six people listen to it, I'll be really happy. If I can get ten people to listen to it, well, I'll, once I'll be a, very happy. Once, a, once again, we're talking about failure, success, rejection. How do you perceive it? I'll, I'll be. I'll keep it one hundred with you. I had a lot of. I had listeners in Japan. It was six, but I still had listeners in Japan. I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that it was going to happen. You, London, I didn't know. I don't even know these people. I was like, holy shit. I didn't know. People want to listen to people talk. They want to hear perspective. Mm. Ooh, I do have a funny story. Please tell me. Uh, speaking of London and how I became London famous briefly in my life. Oh, so, please, you have not told me a story. I don't, I've never told you the story. Listen, we need to go to London. I forget. Capitalize on that shit. <laughs> this was, um, this was after I lived in London, so I lived in London for a second. But, um, so my best friend in the whole world who did episode one, Joe Bigelow. What? He, uh. You can't just say that name casually. Joe Bigelow? Yeah, is it, mm-hmm. that's like a real name? Yeah, male gigolo. Okay. Yeah. Just. That's his name. Marinate on that. Joe Bigelow. <laughs> All right, continue, please. Anyway, so he, um, at, if you've been listening, you'll remember he's a musical theater actor. Uh, he's, you know, he's trained classically, but he's basically the most talented person I've ever met. Um, mm. He plays like a bazillion instruments, speaks mm. other languages. He can pick up anything and be good at it. Yeah. There's this great picture of us back in school, and he's. He's doing his handstand exercises, and, and I'm in the foreground drinking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> totally opposite. Just classic. So anyway, he was auditioning. He asked me to help him film uh, these dance auditions for a dance school. I think the school was in New York or something like that, but it was the um, the famous choreography for Chorus Line, the you don't know what I'm talking about, but, but somebody fine. will. Um, but anyway, that so, <laughs> um, so he filmed it a few times, and one of the times I had—I mean, we had it on a tripod, the camera. I was just sort of like making sure it was all squared up and everything, and. Yeah. Um, one of the times I jumped in and tried to do the choreography with him and it was just like atrociously bad, but I was honestly trying <laughs> and I'm not a dancer. I'm a mover as they say. So um, <laughs> I teach theater movement. Okay. I don't teach dance. Uh, and uh, anyway, so it was this, he ended up posting the video and it uh, because we have friends on Broadway and like in various places in, in the performing arts industry, it ended up 
making its way around uh, like with a bunch of Broadway people. And then somebody sent it to the entire cast of A Chorus Line in London on the West End. Mm. So like that's like the best of the best. Yeah. And they all saw that video. Yeah. Um, so that's my little claim to fame. Wow. <laughs> Is me butchering their choreography. But but they thought it was funny. Right. <laughs> so it's a win. Mm-hmm. You turn and you turn embracing your um, shortcomings. Yeah. In order to be uh, entertaining. Yeah. I guess and. I think the most important part, like, of what we're talking about and what your entire podcast is about, is embracing how we perceive. No, not rejecting yourself. And I think. That's the most important part. Mm-hmm. If you never reject yourself and you find time to laugh at yourself. Yeah. Because the shit is actually funny. It's always funny. It's always funny. These stories are always funny. At the moment, they're really not. No. But if you can find humor in the moment, which as actor performers, we have to. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. We got to find. And if you can acknowledge it. and. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, something that really helps is being, is the sharing of it. Being like, man, this just happened and this was the worst. If I just sat by myself in the car after the audition, which, you know, I do and I'll sit and have my cry, but I immediately have to call a friend and be like, can I just tell you about what just happened? And then we always end up laughing about it. You got people in the audience that know you. Is that awkward for you sometimes when you like make eye contact with somebody like? You're close with in the audience? No. Um, you know, no. I think uh, I, I've never been in a show where... I think the most sensitive I felt in a show was I did Midsummer Night's Dream at the Guthrie and I was in my yeah. bra and panties the whole time. Yeah. And if I had like made eye contact with my dad, mm. I would have felt like... Awkward. Right. Mm. But it's also just like a bathing suit. Right. But I'm sure he was sitting there being like, my baby, why are you doing this? Well, um, yeah. It's, that's a career. I, I, it's really, you know, I, 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 it's making eye contact with somebody who just woke up that was in the audience sleeping and they just realized that they fell asleep. Mm. That happens a lot in theater. Because it's a lot of older patrons. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, they go, I was waiting for you to say like why I'm like I fell asleep I don't think I ever fell asleep in the theater but no they do they you know like Christmas Carol or it's a tradition or they, they they're season pass holders they're because they support the theater but they go and they fall asleep and then we just you know we'll sing to them or talk to them until they wake up and then it's usually men I'm sure it's usually men. <laughs> yeah, it is usually men. <laughs> usually guys are like, oh, I don't want to do this shit again. <laughs> so the Atlanta Ballet had opportunity to have them perform at an event that I had that I was hosting as well. And I get on stage and I have no microphone. The DJ mm-hmm. forgot the mic. No. So my man, you know, I'm a loud guy. I can speak loudly. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. It's it's good. It's all good, mate. Uh, <laughs> Where's where he from? Australia? No. New Zealand? No, he's from like UK. The UK. Oh, yeah. I thought you were being Australian. 
Nah, <laughs> but he he did call me mate. Uh, I don't know, but no, they do that. You're right. So he goes, just use my headphones. I'm like, bro, what? Like, does he have a mic, like Britney Spears style? I don't know. No. No, no, no. He doesn't. I don't understand technology all that well. But he was like, just speaking to my headphones. I was like, I'm like, man, this is, I'm like, this is weird, man. (laughs) Like, these are in your ears. (laughs) Is this a prank? Right. (laughs) He's like, no, but I mean, how is she going to introduce the performance? So I introduced these. The Atlanta Ballet performance, which it was pretty cool. They all changed to my house. I left, obviously. Here? No. It's oh, where you lived Yeah, yeah. Um, they were very cool. Like, um, I don't know. They came to my house. I was like, I'm out of the house. See y'all later. And they walked down the block because the venue was down the block from my house. Um, they get there and I'm standing on stage. I'm holding <laughs> earphones up to my 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 mouth. And, I'm, and I can't hear myself very well either because of the audio. Anyway, I, I introduced Atlanta Ballet performers on earphones, DJ earphones that my friend was. But you can talk into them? I still don't know how they work to this day. <laughs> <laughs> what if he was just like, here, do you need something to feel com- I just, like comfortable to talk into it. But that was my most that's probably one of my most embarrassing moments where I didn't accept it. Where I was like, this is like, I'm like, you're good. You're I, in my mind I'm like, I'm holding. Like you could visually see like, yeah. Like Dr. Dre, like beats, like the big ones? No, not even. I don't even know what kind of Or are they little earbuds? No, they were big <laughs> ones. No, they were big. You could definitely tell that I was speaking into someone's headphones. Weird. Awkward. Somebody write in to me and tell me how this works. Because I don't know. But it, and by it, write in, I mean I have no way for people to write in to me yet. Well, so. it brings me back to what you were like. You're on stage and you're watching people's awkward reactions. So people are sleeping and I'm sitting there. Everyone was concerned about how I was speaking into earphones rather than... <laughs> They're like, the, how is he doing that? Right, rather than and the dancing. Like, I don't know. I would tell you. If I, I don't know. I wish I could tell you how, how it happened. But it's he, magic. It's yeah. DJ magic. He forgot the mic. You know what? Now that I'm a DJ, a trivia DJ, maybe yeah. I'll know the, the tricks of the trade. Sure. Um, no, I think all I do is press play and pause and then just scream into a microphone. Don't scream. <laughs> he just handed me. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> he typed on his phone. I have to pee. <laughs> right, which we all and now you all know my real problem. I drink too much water and I have to urinate. Okay, we'll pause. Let's pause. Wait, I don't know how. Do I just press this? I think you just press stop. Soft and thin and young and lovely, the girl from Ebony. Back at it. But we're kind of winding down. Yep. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. So, I realized early on when we had started the podcast, this was more like, uh, we we talked about failure. Mm-hmm. Talked about rejection. Mm-hmm. Which I, I realized about talking, um, that happens more in auditioning, stuff like that. But I, I definitely understand there's many levels of rejection that you might feel. Yeah. Um, one moment I can think back to was just, it was embarrassing. I told you we had written segments at Soul Food Cypher and I, two years in a row, I won an award 
for best written, so best writing. It was amongst a lot of people in two years they voted me, and I was appreciative of that award. And, you know, going in, I think, after the first year, I'm like, oh, man, a little pressure. I have to write. I have to continue to write great lyrics on these topics. And this one topic was, I think it was something to the effect, like, if I ruled the world or, like, if I was president. And uh, I used to not like to not memorize. Like, I would want to memorize all my lyrics to anything. Because I, I think performance-wise, I think it's, pretty, like, it's dope. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, with these written assignments, a very short period of time, I had a month or at the time we was doing it every two weeks. So I didn't have a lot of time to remember this one. Anyway, and this is on YouTube, Luke Legacy on YouTube at Soul Food Cypher or whatever. I'm being recorded and this is first um, that to this day means a lot to me uh, about if I were president, right? And Barack Obama was president. The opening line was very dope anyway. Mm -hmm. Almost at the end of the verse, I'm rapping, I'm rapping, I'm rapping, and I and I pause and I was like, you know. What I mean? <laughs> so, so I think to this day, I'm pretty confident to this day on video, I pull, I had a Blackberry style. <laughs> this is a long time ago. This is a long time ago. I had a Blackberry style and I pulled my Blackberry out and I was like, give me one second, y'all, I forgot the verse. <laughs> And I, and I was like, oh, like this is the rest of the verse. And Alex and the guys who like edited, which is great with editing video. Most guys are um, artists and they, for, photographers and videographers. Um, I mean, they just kind of left it in there. And to this day, sometimes I look back at the video. I'm like, geez, you, you nailed all of the other performance, all of the everything else. And then this last like two, three lines, I'm like, <laughs> pull it out myself on out but yeah it goes back to just I think with you know we can't be afraid to laugh at ourselves and not right. accept like uh, we just fucked this up yeah cause either the person's gonna love you or hate you yeah and you know really the only person that's gonna really like the only person that's your all the time advocate is yourself mm -hmm. so if you're hating yourself everyone else is gonna hate you too yeah. If you're loving yourself, at least one person loves you. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll leave that at that. At least one person. <laughs> That's probably a good ending. I want to say one more thing, which is when I talk to students, when I teach, I teach a lot of like high schoolers, and, and you teach too. I mean, you're you're involved in after school care, sure. and I think there's something about our school system in America at least, where it's so, there's so much pressure. And, uh, and I specifically teach kids in performing arts, young actors, um, kids at performing arts programs, uh, magnet schools, etc. And they're so, so worried about failing. And I think I spent so, I have a lot of anxiety and depression and I've spent so much of my life just lingering on on how I could have done things better, how I'm not doing enough, etc. And I think we all kind of tend to do that, but I think um, the more we can laugh about and celebrate our failures, the better performers we become. Because if you're in that moment like you have been, and yeah. you can just comment on it and move on. Yeah. 
you know, or you think about that's like a that's a clown thing. Yeah. You fuck up. That's the, <laughs> when you fuck up as a clown, as a comedian. That's the best place to be, and they call it being in the shit. Yeah. And you want to find every opportunity to be in the shit because that's like where you're living your fullest. Well, and it helps in real life. To be honest, there's a lot of things we can be in life. But a lot of things that we strive to be based on uh, society and where, where we may supposed to be, we might supposed to be this or that. Or we <laughs> might supposed, we're may both getting drunk, I think, now. Well, yeah, I mean, even, you know, my grammar, it's like, I should be saying this this way, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I know, I've been thinking, I'm like, wow, I can't, words are well, yeah, they're not, slowing they're, they're down. They're not lining up. No. It's, listen, we do not have a autocorrect or a predictive text on, on, on real life. So, the, the things that we may or may not mull over as actors, live performers, um, artists, we are at a... We have an advantage because most people don't dig that deep creatively or put themselves in enough vulnerable positions to fail badly. Yeah. And look at yourself as failing and get over it and laugh at yourself. That can make you feel better about it. Right. So there's lessons to be learned out there. Right. Accepting within ourselves, accepting then other people. Mm Mm-hmm. Or accepting other people and then learning to accept ourselves. Yes. I think it both goes, they're hand in hand. Yeah. It both goes hand in hand. Like Jack and Jill going up the hill. Yeah. I think my motor skills are waning, so I think it's time to end this. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. For talking to me. Thank you. This was, this was fun. Um, yeah. Bye. <laughs> We weaving and dreaming. We dreaming and weaving. Oh, fourth is the hood. It's home to the secrets. I swear that she'll keep them. Thank you to Matt Eckholm for working your magic and editing this episode. Also, thank you to JRK47 and Lil Biggs 2001 for your excellent reviews. Please keep them coming. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, guys. <laughs>